Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And that means you're listening to me, Deb Wolf, calling in from Camp Good Dog over near Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I'll be talking today with my returning guest, Dr. Jory Bachnick. Welcome to the show, Jory. Nice to talk to you again, Deb. And you're calling in from the Toronto area. And so listeners probably know both of us are in areas that are a little bit hysterical over Corona. Jory, I saw, oh yeah, I saw on TV an Asian woman putting a mask on a puppy in Hong Kong. And that surprised me. I also heard that three dogs tested positive in Hong Kong the same day. They and have. so people are doing some crazy things. What do you think about all this with the pets? Do we have to worry? With the pets, um, I think it's been shown that you can, humans can transmit the virus to dogs. At least we believe it's just dogs, but we have not enough evidence yet to see if it's anywhere else. But what we also can see is that the viral load, like none of these dogs are getting sick. And so the belief at this point is that the viral load in dogs is too low. It's not the appropriate host. And so while they can get it from people, A, they don't get sick, and B, they don't believe they can transmit it from dogs back to people. Okay, so so that's good. Yeah, what they're suggesting is if you have the virus in your home and you have a pet, then the likelihood is that's a dog anyways, then then there's a possibility that that dog could acquire it. Um, whether or not that dog can actually transmit it to anyone else is highly unlikely, and the dog will likely not show any clinical symptoms. So even if your dog gave it to other dogs, who cares? Well, the likelihood really, is the dog right? can't even transmit it to another dog because can't again, these trans- dogs okay. aren't yeah, these dogs aren't sick, and the viral load is too is, is so just so low. So we don't even know if a dog carries enough virus to infect another dog. It's more likely that uh, an infected person is more likely to give it to another dog than uh, a minorly infected dog giving it to another dog. So there's no reason to put a mask on a dog? No. The, <laughs> the likelihood is that there's a greater danger posed by the dog eating that mask yeah. and that mask uh, preventing any illness in that dog. And you're wasting a mask that a healthcare worker probably needs. So that's the whole other thing, right? Well, I mean, I mean <laughs> this hysteria is getting to the point where if you think about it, if people are wrapping their heads, they're more likely to get hit by a car on the road than they are to get the virus and be harmed inordinately and badly by the virus. The majority of people who get this virus will have no more symptoms than you would catching uh, a bad cold. Right. So, okay. Okay. So as far as the pets, so dogs can't transmit it to each other, we believe, and they can't transmit it to humans. So really don't worry about your dog. If your dog catches it from you, He's not even going to show any signs, which means he's not going to notice. You're not going to notice. Don't worry about it, right? Pretty That's much. what the vet I mean, says. Don't worry treat about it, it. Treat it like a family member. If you've got it in your house, quarantine the whole family. That means that the dog, the kids, and yourself for the required amount of time. And then everybody should be fine. Okay, so what about the other animals? Like, I know it came from markets, and there were deplorable things conditions in those markets. We've seen footage now of, you know, live and dead animals together, many different types of animals together, all on disgusting, wet, dirty floor with feces and urine, as well as 
whatever else was there. It's mm. very horrible situation. So that breeds disease. But if it came from animals to people, should we be worried about things like, I don't know, ferrets or cats or turtles? We don't, or? We don't really know. The, I don't think we have an answer yet. The, the question is, is it coming from a bat? Is it coming from another wild animal? Because it's, these are wild animal trade markets primarily where they're suspicious of. Um, right. One good thing that may come out of this is that the trade in wild animals for food may be curtailed. I mean, in China, it's a cultural thing, apparently, and mm -hmm. it's very difficult to, to control. Well, this may actually give impetus and motivation to control it further. And so we could see some, out of a bad situation, we could see some good in that you might see some uh, reduction in poaching and a reduction in the animal trade and subsequently it may, it may actually be better for our wildlife in the long run if people stop catching, poaching, and eating them. Well, that's what I was thinking when I saw those markets. I was thinking, well, maybe now the whole world will care. Instead of caring from a, a animal-based, I love animals, I don't want animals to suffer point of view, maybe they'll care from a, we don't want to get sick point of view. We can't have markets like this anymore. And, and, and hopefully the Chinese government, which is one of the primary areas where this trade occurs, will take the steps to do that. It looks like they are. I mean, I know in the media that people are kind of slamming the Chinese government, but I think overall their response has been pretty good and as about aggressive as they could be. And hopefully with this kind of political um the political system that they have and the public support that they're likely going to garner they may be able to shut those markets down which would be better for all of our animals on this planet in the long run yeah i think if now now's the time right now's when the public's going to support it and people are going to understand that those markets are dangerous and yep. and there's got to be the, okay so we're going to go to a break and we're going to come back but we're going to talk about the conditions at the markets as well and you know when you go somewhere how you know if things are okay to buy to eat or what do you do if you see a problem because i've seen problems i've seen puppies in boxes at flea markets i don't know if you have jory we'll come back and talk about that on animal party pet life radio in a moment I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching, his paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements and today 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog and he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk a little bit with Dr. Jory Bachnick. And uh, hey, welcome back to the show. So, you know, cruelty or bad circumstances, bad conditions for the sale of animals 
happens here too, right? Oh, for sure. It's it's not it's not uh, it's not an, an over there problem. It's an it's a here problem. Yeah, and I'm always wondering when people buy animals, pets, usually dogs, off the internet, and they'll tell they'll brag to me. Oh, I got this German Shepherd all the way from Hungary or Germany, or I got this Akita from Japan, and you know, they, I bought it on the internet and I paid five thousand dollars, and they'll tell me all these things, and my warning bells are going up because I know that the breeder over there didn't pick their best puppy to send, and I know that nobody got to look at the circumstances there; they just looked at a website. We don't know how clean it was, or if the mum had a good personality, or if everything was done right, and and then there's the whole shipping the puppy what did that do to the poor soul so i kind of wonder when people buy dogs they can't see but what about when you do see it have you ever seen anything joy have you ever come across something where you just had to act we've we've had a, that a few times i've worked with the ministry with poaching and i've worked with public health where you've had hoarding situations but i think over i mean in general we're doing a better job at trying to elevate our husbandry practices but some of the problems we're starting to see now are with local people who want to buy an expensive dog, even if they buy it from a reputable breeder, and then they try to breed it themselves. And then you have uh, with their neighbor or their friend, and then you've got all these puppies with unknown genetics, with people who don't know how to raise them properly. And then you've got people buying them on Kijiji um, for $800. And they're, as you said, they're getting a great deal. And they've got this dog who's not really the papers aren't worth the ink in the paper that it's printed on. It's mm -hmm. very much a buyer beware. And I think what should happen is the breeding groups really need to do their best to, to help distinguish themselves. Like how, why, why for someone like yourself who breeds fantastic standard poodles, I don't mind giving you a plug for that. <laughs> how does wow. someone know uh, that they should be coming to someone like you as opposed to going to someone online who's selling, oh, purebred standard poodle puppies? The breeding community, it's almost like you should get an accreditation. It's one thing just because if someone can just belong to a group, pay your fee and now you're a member versus someone who has to take a course, write an exam, now you've passed, now you're a certified breeder. You know, it's one of the ways to distinguish people who really love and care about the breed from those who are just trying to make a quick buck and the most popular breed of the moment. Well, you know, I agree with some of that. Some of that I have trouble with because... I, it's so overregulated already and the bad apples don't play by the rules anyway. So, you know, I, I kind of have a problem with the, the brokers. That's what I call them. The people who get in there and there's a breeder somewhere here in the lower mainland who breeds so many dogs, but she has them all in these homes. She calls them her satellite homes. And I mean, if you went to one of these homes, you'd never know that that dog has been bred so so many times or mm -hmm. you know the connections right you, you would you'd think it was just a mom and pop and they're doing it in their house and they're doing it once or twice but that's not the case that's a satellite breeder so there's all these weird you know and the brokers who come in and they'll just buy anything and resell it um, and that's where you get these mixed you know if if you're <laughs> if you're going somewhere or you're responding to an ad and you see that they're selling everything like they're selling Pekingese and they're selling golden retrievers and they're selling doodles and they're selling cockapoos. And okay, that's a real red flag because how could they possibly keep all the parent stock in good condition? They're not, they're brokering. So that's, that's a real good flag. But I still think, you know, everywhere in North America, there are good breeders in your neighborhood you can find. And they may not be part of the kennel club. They may be part of the kennel club, but it's about how they 
clean their place and how their dogs look and behave and meeting them all. Not just meeting, you know, one relative. Meet the mom. Meet the mom. That's what I say. Meet the mom. Because you got to meet the mom. And yeah, if you're getting an older puppy and they've already been weaned and the mom's been relocated, okay, meet others. Meet meet papa. Meet, meet auntie. Meet uncle. Meet as many as you can. But if they're still nursing and you can't meet the mom, whoa, walk away. That's a problem. So I, you know, I think that you can use your common sense in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, but as always, you know, there's some amazing dogs available. You don't need to buy a puppy or a bred dog. You can get a mutt. You can get a cross. You can go to a shelter. Right, Dr. Dory? Don't you encounter some really terrific mutts in your well, work? Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, people are adopting dogs from the southern United States or they're adopting dogs from the Middle East. But there are tons of dogs locally that don't need to be shipped that are in, in just as much need for a home as any of these dogs from, from afar. And the likelihood of having a better adjusted dog that's adopted locally versus a dog who's been shipped over from the Middle East, for instance, or South America is way higher. I mean, because of, there's just so much less trauma involved. And you just go to any shelter, any day of the week in your, in your, in your town. And I guarantee you, you will see dozens and dozens of dogs of varieties of ages, all in need of a home. So... Well, I'm not saying we shouldn't be looking afar abroad. The problem is right here as well. And we could do a little bit of a better job of dealing with the problem here before we start looking and pointing fingers over there saying, oh, look, they have the problem over there. Well, you know what? In, in BC anyway, they have a list. You can go online and get the list of every single dog in all the SPCAs all throughout the province. And if there was one you wanted, you know, you, you saw this multi-poo up in Prince George or you saw a golden doodle in the Okanagan or whatever, you could ask to have it transferred to your local SPCA. You don't even have to buy it. You, you don't have to go get it. You just want to meet it. And they'll move it there. You can go meet it. And because, you know, maybe you have your heart set on a particular dog or particular breed, or you've seen, go online, you see their pictures. So there's a lot of, um, people will accommodate you. We In the rescue world, we really want you to rescue dogs and we really want to help you. I had a lab cross here for quite a long time. He just went to his forever home, thank goodness. He's four years old. His original owner was in his 90s and became ill and had to go on dialysis and some other things. And so the dog ended up coming here to Camp Good Dog for months. And I tried him with the first family, that didn't work. Second family, that didn't work. Third family, it's working great. But all through this, I kept meeting people who were checking in dogs, you know, different customers coming to camp. And they'd say things like, here's our third dog we just got on our last trip to Mexico. Or here's the dog we're going to be adopting from Peru. And they show me a picture. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, what about Rocky? He's right here. I -hmm. can tell you his entire medical history from the time he was vaccinated as a puppy. I can tell you he's no allergies. He loves the car. He loves children. I mean, you can even try him for a couple of weeks. You don't even like, you don't have to worry about Oh, some kind of mange that the doctors here have never seen. Some worm parasite we don't know how to fix that then gets to your other dogs. I mean, none of that, right? Rocky's Canadian. Rocky's Rocky's got nothing but, weird about him. He's like for, an open it, book. And it sort yet, of speaks to though people's mentality when they go away, and that's when they sort of feel soft. And you know, they see these dogs again. It's a bit of out of sight, out of mind. They see them on vacation. Oh, we're going to adopt that dog for whatever reason. It seems cooler it seems like you're helping more but the reality is 
if you go any country road in any province, you'll see stray dogs roaming around. Not Maybe not as much in Canada as the southern states, but I guarantee you in the southern states, you can't drive five miles without seeing stray dogs. And we have, uh, uh, we, we know what we're dealing with here. In, in each province, we're overwhelmed every month. I mean, it's, it's my, uh, for full disclosure, I have a particular bent about, I would prefer not to see uh, us having to euthanize very healthy puppies because we can't find them homes. And it's fortunately, it happens all the time. And so yeah, if we could focus those adoptions locally, because it's our local problem, it's not a Peruvian problem, it's not a Mexican problem, it's an everywhere problem. Right. These dogs would do really well here, and you're not wrong. We know the problems that they have here. Um, we have a better idea of what their physical fitnesses will be, and they don't have to go through the trauma of transportation. And we don't know what that does to them, especially after a couple of days. It's not without risk. And they come to the, the new owners definitely traumatized. It's one of the most common behavioral issues I get are these dogs who've been adopted from remote locations who have severe separation anxiety. And now you've got people who live in closer communities or townhouses where the neighbors are upset because the dog barks nonstop because it's been traumatized. It's not the dog's fault. It just doesn't know what's going on. But these problems take months to resolve. And there's something well, that and means- they, Yeah, and they change their personality. That dog with, that was so winning when it was poor and starving and sucking up to tourists changes its personality when it's got everything it needs. It's not it the same might. dog anymore. You, it, you, it just might. And that's- <laughs> and you, you, I mean- Adopting a dogs, um, shelter dogs is a little bit of a gamble, but you can minimize your risk of not knowing what you're getting by getting something that's local, that's something that has a real history as opposed to something that's made up to entice you to adopt it, which happens all the time, as I'm sure you know. You know well, so okay. So there's a really good point with Rocky. Rocky's first owners, I told them, you know, call me, text me, I'll come over. You don't want him, I'll come get him. No problem. The, the first trial home. Okay, it didn't work out after a week. They brought him back. Second home, same thing, brought him back. Third home, same thing. I'm like, if you need help, I'll help you. Text me, problems, any training, anything you want. And it's working out great. But, you know, all the little things. They called me and asked me a question about, you know, is there any reason he wouldn't like the front door, right? That's a bit of an odd question. Well, actually, yes, there is. Because in his uh, last home with the older couple, they had a lot of issues with the front door stairs. So Rocky had to enter through the back. Well, okay, very simple, right? But they didn't know that. There's so much uh, feedback available if you rescue a dog locally. There's so much support. Uh, if they ever had any problems, I'd just be there. Whereas you don't have that with someone in another country. You just I just had a, I just had a couple call me yesterday. They just purchased an Italian greyhound puppy. Oh, nice. 24 hours later, they're mm -hmm. calling saying, we've made a terrible mistake. We uh, were overwhelmed. Um, we mm -hmm. haven't seen this dog or them yet. The breeder's not returning our phone calls. We would like to adopt this dog out. We don't want any money. We've just made a terrible mistake. Wow. So we actually were able to work with them. First, we're like, are you sure you don't want to try? And then they were like hysterical. You don't understand. It's not, okay, okay, okay. So we took the dog as we most often do. Right. Um, and I mean, it's not hard for the most part, in a well-connected veterinary clinic to find someone who wants a free um, three-and-a-half-month-old Italian greyhound. Right. Actually, I, I found a client who has two greyhounds already who wanted it. So within four hours, it's gone. But if you have an internationally adopted dog, that doesn't happen like that. No. Much more difficult. Much more difficult. I mean, yeah. everyone likes the concept 
of adopting dogs, but people don't know about the realities of taking dogs who have challenges and they can be wonderful pets and they can, but you, you have to go in with your eyes open to the work that has to be done first because they're, they're much more work than your average three and three month old dog you just bring home. These dogs have been surviving. When you bring them in from other countries, they've been surviving on the street. That's a different kind of animal. And oh, totally. Totally. And a dog like Rescue Rocky, he's, he's the opposite. He's actually easier than a three-month-old puppy. He's house trained. He's come sit, stay trained. He knows the car. He, he's got it all together. He knows how to live in a normal suburban uh, Vancouver home. He's got it. He just, you know, ready to go, right? He, he'll just need a little time to adjust to you and your quirks exactly. and you to him and his quirks. But it's not like if you drop somebody or a pet in a completely different country, in a completely different world. So, okay, we're going to go to break and come back. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Dr. Jory and me, Deb Wolf, on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Hello, we're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. And um, yeah, we're talking about adoption. I also think about the money. Sometimes people say to me, well, you know, in these countries where it's so poor, like Costa Rica, you know, you donate 50 bucks and it goes so far to help dogs. And that's true. So maybe if that's what you want to do, that's what you should do rather than actually take a dog, you know? I mean, it, it, everyone kind of has to make those decisions. I mean, sometimes there's unintended consequences. Veterinarians will sometimes go to a lot of these countries to volunteer their time to do free service. But sometimes the impact of their free service on the community takes away from the paid service that some of the local veterinarians require for their livelihoods. So to your point, donating money to some of these shelter rec- uh, shelters or other organizations in these countries is a, it is at times a much better way of, of supporting a community where they can manage, you let them manage their own problems themselves by just giving them the resources. And if you really want to adopt a dog, drive 10 minutes and go to your local shelter. You yeah. will find a dog. I guarantee it. You will generally find 10. Well, or even your vet. I mean, my vet always has something. Everybody's right? like website a little has kitten cats in a cage or something. Something We've had this available. one cat, I, I 24 rarely... pounds. You know, she's her, her owner has passed away. The family found the cat in there. You know, oh. she's this giant 12-year-old cat. And we're still trying to find her home. She doesn't get along with other cats. Right. So we're, I think she'd do fantastic in an older home with one person, but everybody's got them, you know? And so, oh, yeah, I always have a rescue animal or, or more. Right now, it's almost spring. The Abbotsford Airport will soon have a plague of kittens, and I will be out there trying to 
trap, neuter, release, you know, and I'll have the tamest ones available for adoption. I'll have puppies coming in from various places. I found them here and I found them there. And can you help? And, you know, before long, I'll have rescue animals like I do every year. And one thing I want to say is that I find um, there's one food I use that I find really, really good for this because I can you know, I can order a mixed palette of Royal Canaan and have absolutely everything I might need. You know, yeah. I might need something for an underweight dog. I might need something for an overweight dog. I might need something soft for a dog with bad teeth, or I might need whatever it is. I might need something low fat. I might, whatever, you know, you take these animals when you rescue them and they often have health problems. So yeah. you'll get told by the vet, well, they need a gastro diet or they need a, you know, hypoallergenic diet. And then you're like, oh man, what pet store do I have to go to? I find Royal Canine has all of it. Um, I read it's one of my it's one of my favorite uh, manufacturers because you know the quality of what you're getting. You've got a great online help if you're having challenges. They have a breadth of products that we use that are uh, there's almost unparalleled. There are not a lot of companies that can touch Royal Canin when it comes to the varieties um, and the disease conditions, and not just disease conditions, but for they have their breed specific lines. Um, and what's nice about it is if you start your pet on one of their products and they get ill, the likelihood is the veterinarian you're going to go to uses one of their products to treat that yeah. illness. And so yeah. it's easy to flip from the diet you're feeding to the diet they need short term and then go back to the diet you've been feeding. And they never look at you. That's the other thing. They never look at you like, oh, shame, you're feeding the wrong food. This is the, so you know, <laughs> they never give you that look when you say, well, he's been on Royal Cane and they're like, okay, well, we ruled out the diet, right? Like then yeah. it might be an ingredient will switch, yeah. but we know it's not the preservatives, the quality. Nope. We, nope. So it's, it, you know, any other food you go in there and they're like, hmm, well, it could be the food quality. Yeah. Okay. So we have to rule that out first before we find out anything else about why this dog won't stop scratching or won't, you know, won't digest properly. I do, as you know, have a lot of doodles and poodles who come to camp good dog and the poodles, especially, but even the doodles and sometimes the border collies, uh, they were finicky about their food. They don't just dive into the bowl like a lab or a golden and eat whatever you put in front of them. And yet with the Royal Canaan hypoallergenic, which is yam and duck, mm -hmm. uh, they can't resist. They try to do their uh, nose up at it. Will you give me something better? And they walk away. And then before long, I see them sort of sniffing it. Then they'll eat a piece and then another piece. And then they eat the whole thing. Didn't yeah. have to add anything. They just eat it because it's so tempting. Yeah, no, it really, I find with, with some of my cancer patients who really don't want to eat, it's yeah. one of my go-tos. Um, I like a lot of the, and their skin diets, I've been really, really happy with as well. So like I said, they have this breadth of products that make using them very easy. Um, when it comes to price point, they're competitive with everybody of their quality. And some, I mean, at times you can find, they have really, really good promotions in a lot of the big pet stores. And so you, it's easy to get into. And again, if you're having issues with the diets, they have excellent uh, helplines and other phone uh, methods to call them and contact them. And they get back to you. It's not like you leave a message and two weeks later, no one's called back. With Royal Canyon, they've got an, a large enough support system that um, you get somebody and you get somebody who's qualified to do the answering. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, that's our, I think we've run out of time. Is there anything we should tell people about Corona before we end the show? Take a uh, deep it, breath. Take a yeah. deep breath. Don't change your lives. Um, the likelihood is that people are going to get this. Uh, the likelihood is that most people are not going to be overly un unwell with it. And then it will pass. It's not that different than when you and I were young, Deb, 
and someone got chicken pox and they would call someone else and they would go, oh, wait, well, let's have a barbecue to our house so we can get everybody chicken pox. And then everybody yeah. would get it and everyone <laughs> would be immune and the problem goes away. Well, we're at that. Yeah. This is like chicken I, pox. I actually went to those and I took care of my little sister when my parents were out of town and she had chicken pox and I never got chicken pox. I had to go get vaccinated when I was pregnant because I didn't want to get chicken pox while I was pregnant, but it didn't work for me, Jory. I never got chicken pox. So maybe I'll never get Corona. Probably maybe not. It's just your immune system is too <laughs> yeah. super. That's just there the way you it go. is. There you go. It's from the contact with the dogs. Dogs make you happy. They boost your immune system. Everybody should have a dog. That's my theory. I'm not going to argue with you there. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Dr. Jory. Thanks for helping us out. Shed a little light on Corona. Not to worry. Your dog's not going to get sick, and they're not going to get you sick. And that's that's the big worry that I came out of this week, I think, from Hong Kong. But, um, yeah, so we'll have you back on, Dr. Jory, and we'll talk Look about other things. I know we sort of touched on itchy dogs, so next time... Maybe we can talk about Apoquel, the, the new game-changing drug, and maybe some more of your favorite products we'll talk about, plus some, some other tips for training and sick animals, you know, the usual when you come on my show. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. That was Dr. Jory and uh, Dr. Jory Bachnick calling in from the Toronto area. And I'm Deb Wolf at Camp Good Dog. And from us and Pet Life Radio, Animal Party, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.